This week on Grape Encounters Radio. Something magical happens when you have four choices on hand. The distinction between weekday and weekend drinking just completely disappears. On Tuesday night, you feel just as empowered to open that special bottle that you would have saved for Friday. And the conundrum, should we open a red or should we open a white, goes away. You can open both. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And I'll tell you what, I have had one wild ride for the past couple of weeks, and it is not over. Just came back from judging Sunset Magazine's International Wine Competition in Sonoma. Had an amazing time. And of course, you all are familiar with Sarah Schneider, the esteemed editor of Sunset Magazine. She's got another big event, back-to-back, bumper-to-bumper events going on up in Sonoma. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Hey, David. Well, I'm a little tired to tell you the truth, <laughs> but excited about everything that's going on in my world right now. And thanks for having me on again. Why do you take on so much in such a short span of time? <laughs> my gosh. I know this is crazy. My year is never spread out in events. So this is my event season. And, you know, it's all about wine and wine country. And I'll take it. So get it all out of the way. And, and, and then just, just cruise the rest of the time. Spend your time <laughs> exactly. just drinking wine. All right. So first, let's talk about the wine competition because the first thing I have to say is, wow, what an esteemed panel of judges. I think if anybody ever has a doubt about buying wines on the basis of metals, you certainly can feel comfortable about buying wines that bear the Sunset International Wine Competition medal because, I mean, that was a who's who of some of the finest wine people in the world. I actually completely agree with you. And thank you, by the way, for coming and judging this year for the first time. It was just great having you in that group. And you know, the quality of judges was a cornerstone to me from the very beginning when we decided whether or not we were going to launch a wine competition. I always had in my mind that it would not make sense for Sunset unless we could get the absolute best tasters on the West Coast yeah. to come. Honestly, we, we sat down early on and made up a wish list. Who would we have? You know, Winemakers, wine journalists, and people in the trade and education sommeliers, and I sent out some invitations, and honestly, off the bat, everybody said, absolutely, I want to be in on that. So it's been heartwarming. People have just been so supportive of what Sunset is doing here. Well, the one thing that always amazes me, and it's probably more true at this competition than any that I've ever judged before, and I've judged some awesome competitions, but it's so amazing to me that you can have three, four, five, six, however many people are around a table that all look at wine maybe from a different perspective. I'm, you know, sort of tend to look at wine from a more emotional perspective right. as, a, as opposed to the little uh, niggly nuances that a sommelier is going to look at wine from. But yet when we're judging and we have to throw a score out there, a number score, it's amazing how much continuity there is between judges. It's just amazing you know, to me. It is amazing. Um, we, we try to balance the panels among those different kinds of tasters because like you you say a winemaker tastes for flaws. You know they're looking for everything wrong with that wine. Right. And journalists tend to, I, I think, you know, like you and me, um, we tend to think in terms of the consumer. Is someone going to like this wine? You know. Yes. Um, how good is it for them? And the sommelier is thinking, could I sell this wine? And talking about it, we hope that. 
truth will come out about that line, you know, that from all those different directions, the group will come to an understanding of how high the quality is on that wine. And I think, you know, we definitely were looking for flaws in wines. But on the other hand, I know my first order of business is first, I just look at all eight glasses and they come out eight glasses at a time. And we're literally judging hundreds of wines before the event is over. But I just look at them one by one just to get a, a sense of the color and the viscosity and the radiance of the wine. And then the next thing is to just go through and smell them all, go smell back and the forth. Lineup. And then as, as I love the smell, I will take and make note of that glass and I will separate the ones that I really like from the others. And that doesn't mean I've ruled out the other ones, but it just means that these are the ones I want to watch. And then the ones that are not necessarily standing out from a visual or olfactory perspective, those are going to have to work harder when they hit the palate. But it was just so much fun because I just felt so gratified that, uh, you know, there were people like Gary Eberly of legendary Eberly Winery, uh, you know, judging on the panel and to be side by side with somebody like that and just be scoring the same, you know? Right. In this case, a 40 point scale. So, you know, that's a pretty broad potential range of scores that you can have. So anyway, congratulations because it was an awesome event, awesome judges, awesome wines there. I should mention that. And, you know, we've told people before on Sipping with Sarah that you can just go and look up the results of the competition and feel very comfortable purchasing and drinking those wines. I really appreciate that, David. Yeah, I, I think this year, if anything, if it, if it could be, our results are even more reliable than ever. And so they're not out yet, but I really look forward to getting those online. And then all of the gold and silver medalists will be printed in our October issue. So that's you know, basically you can pull that section out as kind of like a shopping list for the year. Yeah, I think you can very much rely on that. All right. So coming up in just another week or so is Celebration Weekend at Sunset. And this is going to take place at the same venue where the wine competition took place. Tell us about it. Right. So this is our annual festival where we sort of bring all of our different subjects to life, you know, garden and home and food and and travel and especially wine. And this is going to be at Cornerstone in Sonoma on May 14 and 15. And we'll have tons of vendors in all of those subject matters there, but also different stages. We will have in our new outdoor test kitchen up there, we're going to have a lot of celebrity chef demos with some great people coming in, like Andy Rick from Portland with Pock Pock and Whiskey Soda Lounge and from locally here, Tanya Holland and just many, many names. Aisha Curry, Steph Curry's wife is going to be doing a demo. She has a cookbook coming out. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have fun. Gardening stage and then wine seminars on Sunday, which is what I'm especially excited about. We've got some very cool sessions coming up. And the venue is just so beautiful. It's, It's a work in progress for sure, but it's a sprawling amazing garden setting that just seems to go on forever with just this very well-conceived landscaping. And of course, the Sunset Magazine gardens are there as well. Can you just kind of explain this venue? Because it's just so appealing. You just want to spend the whole day there. It is sprawling. You're right. And it is sort of a mishmash. That's not a good enough word for it, but... It's potpourri. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> potpourri. That, yeah. But that's much, much better. A mix of retail shop that are garden design, antique, and then a series of gardens. And the Sunset Test Garden is actually going in right now, and it will be debuting that weekend. And it's a series of rooms, you could call it. There's an orchard room where we have um, fruit trees planted. There's a cut flower room where it's just being planned for cutting. And my favorite, there's a cocktail garden room that will just be ingredients going into cocktails. And also on the grounds, there's a little restaurant. There are three winery tasting rooms, and all of these will be open during the event. It is one of the most peaceful environments. And even though we're talking about there being shops and things like that there, they're just these inviting, warm, wonderful, you know, independent kinds of shops. It's nothing like a shopping center, not even remotely so. And just a wonderful place to relax. How many people do you think will show up? Well, in the past, when it's been on our Menlo Park campus, we generally had more than 20,000 in the weekend. Yeah! We're kind of, I know, we're kind of projecting about 10,000 between Saturday and Sunday. I think you're going to be wrong. (laughs) You're you're going higher. I am going (laughs) higher because as much as I love the Menlo Park location, as everybody did, I just think that, you know, the draw of going to such a beautiful place like Sonoma, I wouldn't underestimate how many people are going to go there. Sonoma is one of my favorite wine countries in the entire world because, you know, as much as I love Napa and the Central Coast where I live, Sonoma has its own style and it is very much compatible with the sunset style. You know, there's a certain warmth and comfort. It's laid back totally without pretension and it's all about diversity in wine and sort of just a lifestyle more than anything else. Well, I will simply say this, that for those who might be anticipating coming from out of state, there are all kinds of airline deals right now because we haven't hit high season yet for travel. So there are a lot of opportunities out there. You can fly into San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland if you're coming from out of state or drive if you're a little bit more local. How far do you attract people from? Well, mostly it's in from Northern California, but in the past we've had a, a very strong contingent that come in from Arizona, even even further east, Chicago. I mean, um, it's it's kind of a nice anchor for a trip if you have wanted to get into Northern California wine country. Um, this is uh, this is really a lovely event to to build around. There's probably 500 reasons to come to this event, uh, <laughs> you know, given its location. So for people who want more information, Sarah. Where do we turn? You can just go to sunset.com slash CW, and everything schedules are there, tickets are there. Um, that's that's where you can go. Okay. And by the way, I'm going to be there. Excellent. <laughs> I am definitely going to be there. So, Sarah, I'll look forward to seeing you in a week or so. Great. And Looking forward to it. Can't wait to see you two weeks in a row is the greatest treat of them all. And thank you again for, <laughs> you know, just doing an amazing job on the wine competition and the celebration weekend I've never gotten to go to, so I'm so excited to come to the inaugural celebration weekend in Sonoma County. It'll be great to have you there. All right. We'll see you then. We will be back, hey, with more Grape Encounters Radio right after this. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. 
Recently, I discovered a winery whose wines literally rock my world. I was so excited about them, I've relentlessly shared them with wine journalists, renowned sommeliers, and of course, wine enthusiasts. Well, it turns out I'm not the only one who thinks they're magical. They're from the beautiful Cardella Winery in Mendota, California, a tremendously fertile Central Valley location not known for fine wine production. Nonetheless, Cardella's remarkable Barbera, Sangiovese, Ruby Cabernet, and other varietals are absolutely world-class. Now, I take the endorsement of wines very seriously, and in seven years, I've endorsed less than five. Every single Cardella wine that I've tasted is a grand slam, home run, and ridiculously inexpensive. Cardella wines are available at their tasting room and online, provided they can be legally shipped to your state. So go to CardellaWinery.com. Buy them, drink them, and share them. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. And now, here's the guy who went from hipster to sipster, David Wilson. Say you want a revolution, well, you know, we all want to change the world. We are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and now I have a story for you that I think you are going to very much enjoy. There is a new product coming out. It's not out yet, but this is a preview story of the next revolution in wine enjoyment. It is a product called the Cuvée. I came upon this about two or three weeks ago. I wanted to hold off on doing this story until I could actually see the product in action. I've had a chance to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm in a restaurant in downtown Napa, and with me all the way from Boston is Vijay Manwani, and he is the inventor of the Cuvée. You call it the Cuvée wine bottle, right? Cuvée wine bottle. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is such an interesting product, and I'm so glad that we waited to actually have a chance to see this. This is not in full production right now, correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what I'm looking at here. I'm looking at what appears to be a representation of a wine bottle that might appear on the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> is that close enough? Sure. Okay. All right. So tell me what I'm looking at. The Kuwait bottle is really intended for all purposes to be a bottle. When you use it, after some time, you'll forget that it's anything but a bottle. But it has a screen that can tell you a better story than a paper label can. When you pick it up to pour wine, it'll pour like a regular bottle. But in addition to that, it might guide you to the right temperature through the fact that it knows what you're drinking. And when you're drinking it, it might make recommendations that are better suited to your taste. Okay, so let me make some clarifications here for a second. So it's a kind of a space-age looking bottle. It's just a little bit bigger than your average wine bottle, not by much. It doesn't weigh any more than a wine bottle. In fact, I think it actually weighs a little bit less, does it not? Well, when you have the Cuvée capsule loaded in the Cuvée bottle and you hold a glass bottle in the other hand and close your eyes, it should weigh 
About the same. Okay, so relatively the same. And when you say it's got a screen on it, so I really want to clarify this because we're looking right now at a screen on this device or bottle that is about the size of the smaller size iPhone, basically, right? That's about right, yeah. And it's a full color resolution screen. Correct. And this is going to provide us with a whole lot of information about what's going on inside this bottle. It's going to give us an education at the same time. That's correct. The whole idea is to let you learn about wine at the point of consumption. And when you drink wine and you're learning at the point of consumption, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like fun. So I take what amounts to a canister... And this is made out of what? Aluminum? Currently, the prototypes are made of aluminum, but eventually the product will be a plastic capsule. It's a plastic capsule that does not interfere in any way with the taste of the wine. That's correct. Okay. So it will actually then get inserted inside this sort of outer jacket, which is the bottle. And once that capsule, if I can call it that, connects to the electronics, the technology inside, magic happens. Yeah, it reveals the story of the wine. So how much of a story are we talking about? Because I saw pictures, I saw lots of copy. It seemed like as much as I wanted to read, I could get access to just on the outside of the bottle. The real objective here was to tell the story that the winemaker intended. So if the winemaker wants to tell you about the story of the wine, about the story of the land, what food works well with it, what's the right temperature to drink it at, What's the right occasion to have it at? It's that story. It's really the story that the winemaker intends to tell you. It's a story that can't be told on a conventional wine label. The paper label is limited in what it can do. Yeah. This takes it beyond that. But the real magic is that after I put this in, and if I want to get the story, I can get that. But now I can take that bottle out, that canister out, and put another one in. That's exactly right. Kuwe is about unlocking choice, and it's about unlocking wine knowledge or connoisseurship. It allows you to drink any wine by the sip of the glass, and it allows you to learn about the wine as you go along. So let's talk about spoilage for a second, because this is the greatest fear that anybody who throws a party, you know, they have, let's say, 20 guests over. They're trying to decide which wines to serve. They know they maybe need to serve two or three or four different kinds of wine. But now, how many bottles get left open? How much wine gets spoiled? Cuvée, the intention was to give, at that party, all of the guests a choice of whatever wine they want without wasting one drop. That's exactly right. It's not drinking whatever is open. It's drinking what you like, right? Usually you walk over and you say, what do you like? You say, I'll have whatever is open. That is such a good point. And I can't tell you how many times somebody will, knowing that I am a wine guy and I'm going to have a lot of different wine around, people will come over and offer them a glass of wine. They'll say, what do you have open? It's almost a kind of guilt that people experience when it comes to wine. They, they know that wine is not cheap, and therefore they do not want to take the risk of having you open a bottle just for them that might get bad, because they know it's going to go bad, right? Eventually. With Kuwait, that's possible, because with Kuwait, wines stay fresh for up to 30 days. We don't arrest oxidation, but we slow down oxidation to the point that the wines stay in the drinking range for a long time. And so you can actually have 
not four, but eight or 12 wines on hand that are open so that every guest can have exactly what they like. All right. So I want to tell a little story because I want to get a little bit into your background when we return. But a very funny thing happened while we were sitting in this restaurant at the Oxbow Market in downtown Napa. Apparently, there was a young man and his friend who were eavesdropping on our conversation. And all of a sudden, he became emboldened and walked over to the table and he asked if you were Mr. Manwani, the inventor of the cuvee. And I guess he's in the wine industry along with his family. He couldn't be more than mid-20s at best, right? That's exactly right. And you were like a superstar to him. He had read about you. And you're getting a lot of press right now on this product. And it's not even available to the consumer yet. How proud are you of that? Well, the, the PR firm has done a, a marvelous job in getting the Well, no, no, no. You've done a marvelous job. PR firms don't make good products. They just make information about those products available to people. Well, the product is very different from anything the wine market has seen in a long time, right? The wine market is, the wine is a traditional product. And what we are trying to do here for the average wine lover is give them a wine experience that's a completely new wine experience from any experience that currently exists. We are trying to guide him to drinking wine that doesn't spoil, guide him to drinking better with a story on hand. And that's manifested in this smart bottle that allows them to drink in that manner with wine capsules that go into this bottle that keep wine fresh for 30 days. It seems like you are replacing some of the fun and enjoyment that we used to get from uncorking a bottle with some technology that does some really fun things. And we're all into technology now. Actually, I'm trying to replace the enjoyment of the romanticism of the bottle with the ability to drink many wines that is just as enjoyable at a time. So not making compromises. Not making compromises. That is in itself a very enjoyable thing. And when you put the Kuwe capsule into the Kuwe bottle, it reveals a little story about the wine that carries, that sticks in your mind, that you want to tell your friends about, that you feel empowered about, that makes you confident about the wine. That is the new ritual around Kuwait that you can drink many wines and learn about each wine as you do. Very interesting. We're talking to Vijay Manwani. He is the inventor of the Kuwait. It's spelled K-U-V-E-E, correct? That's exactly right. And you can certainly Google it. There have been plenty of stories written about it at this point in time. It's uh, something that we'll have to anticipate for a while longer, but I want to get into your background and also the beginning of your passion with wine when we return with Grape Encounters. Recently, I discovered a winery whose wines literally rock my world. I was so excited about them, I've relentlessly shared them with wine journalists, renowned sommeliers, and of course, wine enthusiasts. Well, it turns out I'm not the only one who thinks they're magical. They're from the beautiful Cardella Winery in Mendota, California, a tremendously fertile Central Valley location not known for fine wine production. Nonetheless, Cardella's remarkable Barbera, Sangiovese, Ruby Cabernet, and other varietals are absolutely world-class. Now, I take the endorsement of wines very seriously, and in seven years, I've endorsed less than five. Every single Cardella wine that I've tasted is a Grand Slam home run and ridiculously inexpensive. Cardella wines are available at their tasting room and online, provided they can be legally shipped to your state. So go to CardellaWinery.com. Buy them, drink them, and share them. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. 
Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's Grape Encounters, like CloseEncounters.com. There's an urban legend which claims that, as an infant, David was found giggling in a vineyard of Pinot Noir. Well, that's absolutely untrue. It was Cabernet. If I were brave, I'd catch the wind outside my window. I'd drink in like honey wine when the sun is sinking low. We are back with Grape Encounters Radio and very pleased to be sitting down at Kamomi Restaurant in the Oxbow Marketplace in downtown Napa and enjoying a great pizza and a nice wine flight and now learning more about the cuvee from its inventor, Vijay Manwani, from Boston, right? That's exactly You're right. You're down here doing a little business in Napa. That's right. Because you've got a lot of friends to make in this business to get all your wines lined up. And apparently you've done a pretty good job. You're a software guy. By trade, right? Yeah, that's right. And you've done very well in the software business, right? Yeah, but wine is my passion. So now you've taken everything that you've learned and you're refocusing your energies into wine itself. That's right. Tell me how your passion with wine began because you're not the average wine person. You've gone a lot deeper than that. I moved to France when I was 21 in 86 and I lived in France for about four years. Fortunately, my boss had a brother who was a winemaker in Burgundy and he would get actually grapes from his brother and make wine and we would all help him do that. So that was my first introduction to wine because once we were done making this wine over a weekend, then we'd all, once it was made, would get a few cases each. And so living in France for four years was my introduction and from there I moved to Berkeley, California from roughly 90 to 98 and so from one type of wine world to a completely different, but every bit as much wine-centric world as Europe. That's exactly right. But my first disappointment when I came to California was France, you could get great wine for under $10. and Still can. Yeah, still can. And this was back in 1990. And my first impression was, wrongly so, that wines were much more expensive over here. And so I went down on a wine journey to just really learn about Californian wine and get a good sense for, you know, what good wine California had to offer. And so those years, those seven or eight years, I got to know Napa and Sonoma really well. And from there, my journey took a little pause. I got really focused on my software business. And then after I sold a couple of my businesses, very recently in around 2013, I decided that, you know, I had some opportunity to go back and focus on my passion. And so I went back and took some courses to get a WSET 3 certification. And what does that mean to the listener? Well, it's a mid-level examination that allows you to appreciate wine pretty broadly. You taste a lot of varietals, you do a lot of blind tasting, you learn about the academic aspects about wine, as well as you learn about tasting wines and recalling wines blind. 
But my palate was very, very narrow at that point. I was very Europhile in my palate. I was very Burgundy and Bordeaux-centric and Piedmont-centric in my palate. And when I went through this course, I got an opportunity to really broaden it to taste wines from all regions in the world. But my frustration with that experience was that I am not a super taster. I have a deviated septum, and so I can't smell as super tasters can. And I came to this realization that wine education is complicated. It's really for people who are very far along in their journey. It's not for the common person. And the one thing I came to realize is the most important thing in wine education is tasting a lot of wines with friends. Because if you could taste a lot of wine with friends and compare notes, you would learn more about wine than all the additional language that wine education wraps around it. Exactly. And I do want to make a point here that so many times when we get on a discussion about super tasters and people who really have that deep wine knowledge, I don't ever want a listener to feel alienated at that point because the truth is you don't have to go through the grueling training to really be able to enjoy wine. That's exactly right. It really boils down to do you like it or not? And if you do like it, how can you find more of it and how can you enjoy it even more? That's correct. And I love that social aspect of wine. You know, for me, it's more that that got me into wine than anything else. I have these wonderful memories of having these incredible dinners when I lived in France, and I wanted to recreate some of that when I came here. So do you think that your device, the cuvee, adds to that, or does technology sometimes take some of the warmth out of those experiences? I just wonder how you see that. Yeah, I think the cuvee bottle has been minimally designed. It's intended to eventually just become the bottle. Yes, it allows you to switch and pour different wines on the same night. Yes, it allows you to, you know, learn a little more about the story of the wine and maybe even guide you to the right temperature. But it tries to do that as, in as an unobtrusive a way that, as, that it possibly can so that it becomes your new bottle. You pour from it, you drink wine, it unlocks choice, it unlocks learning about the wine. And after some time, it's the way you drink. So how much choice am I going to have, though? Because I equate this product a bit to the Keurig coffee pots, which I think are terrific, by the way. But when they first come out, the choices are limited. That's exactly right. So we'll start off with 48 wines. But if you look by the end of next year, we should have roughly 200 wines in the portfolio. Wow. And we want to have roughly four to five wines per winery. So you can do the math on how many wineries we will have in the portfolio. So how will the cost of the wine that comes in the cuvee canister compared to the cost of the wine if I were to go buy it at some kind of a market? Well, it should compare to the standard retail price. Now, there's no question that some of those prices will be discounted when you look up Wine Searcher. Yeah. But you know, the intention is to offer it at the standard price. And I'm imagining that it's actually less expensive for the winery to put the wine in this kind of a canister than it would be to put it in a glass bottle with a cork. Well, the way we work with the winery is they give us the wine and we do the bottling. So you do the bottling, okay. So they don't have to deal with either the dry goods or the empties or the filling. We take care of that. Right? So automatically that lowers the cost dramatically at that point. When we work with the wineries, we are looking at them looking at wholesale costs minus the dry goods. I don't think people really realize how expensive it is to put wine into a glass bottle with a cork. Depending upon the wine and the quality of the cork, a cork can cost a couple of bucks per bottle depending upon what the wine is and, and like I said, the quality of the cork. I mean, there are some companies that actually have a human being sniff every cork and test every cork. We take a cork out. A lot of people save their corks. Other people 
throw them away. You should save them. They're valuable. Not that you're going to reuse it or not. Okay, so we've got maybe 40 wines that will be available initially for the cuvee and then more after that. So what else will this do? Because it's keeping a lot of information about my wine drinking habits. And, and, and how does that work and how does it help me? Yeah, let me take you through the journey of a new Kuwait drinker over the first week or two. Okay, go ahead. So you receive your Kuwait bottle and along with that come four wines that are sent to you. Right? You have some control on the selection, but let's assume there are two whites and two reds for this discussion. Okay. Right? And let's assume two of them are food wines and two of them are wines that you would have by themselves. Right? Right. So the first thing Kuwait does is encourage you to insert the wines and open all four of them and try them side by side because you can, because they don't spoil. They stay fresh for 30 days. Now, that is not what your normal behavior would be if you had a glass bottle. You would open them one at a time. But something magical happens when you have four choices on hand. First of all, you can match each wine to an occasion. You can start the evening with a cocktail white, and then you can move on to a light red, and then you can move on to a red that matches your food, and then end your evening with whatever you prefer the most, right? So that's the first thing that happens. The second right. thing that happens is, if you're used to drinking red wine too warm and white wine too cold like most of us are, Kuwait can guide you to drinking at the right temperature. I can guarantee you that once you get hooked onto drinking wine at the right temperature and smelling the aromas that wine unlocks at the right temperature, you're not going to go back to the bad habit of drinking it. Does the Kuwait know how warm or cold my wine is? Yes, it does. Okay, so there's actually some sort of a thermometer in there. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. So let's say you're going on a trip the next day. You don't have to worry. The wine is going to stay fresh. And so the distinction between weekday and weekend drinking just completely disappears. On Tuesday night, you feel just as empowered to open that special bottle that you would have saved for Friday. So it's Tuesday night. You got your new Kuwait, you opened your four bottles, you're not worried that you're traveling the next day, you're drinking these wines by the glass as you please, and the conundrum that everyone suffers, the red and white conundrum, should we open a red or should you open a white, goes away. You can open both. Right, exactly. This is what we've seen. Because you have so much choice on hand, Kuwait pours tend to be usually two-thirds a glass instead of a full glass because people are sampling a lot of different wines. The other thing that happens is Kuwait bottles are typically open not for two or three days, but for two or three weeks because you can. And we've just got like a minute left, but you've got a whole bunch of people out there that are actually using the product right now. We have about 120 people who've tested That's a lot. Product. That's a lot of people. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a lot of data. Can you tell me one thing that you've learned that shocked you after collecting all this data on wine consumption? So there are two types of drinkers. This is what we discovered. There are, we call them choice drinkers and preservation drinkers. Choice drinkers like to dabble, make every night a tasting and flip from one wine to the other. They're explorers. If you ask them how many wines they drink for comfort and how many wines they drink for discovery, they would pick new wines all the time. Yeah. But the comfort drinkers drink one bottle at a time for preservation reasons. And once you learn that about a consumer, making recommendations to them becomes really easy. Okay. Hey, listen, it's been great having you here. It is called the Cuvée, and just Google it. You'll find a lot written about it. We'll have pictures of it on our website as well, grapeencounters.com. And BJ Minwani, a pleasure to meet you. Now taking all of your technological know-how and putting it into better wine enjoyment. Who would have thunk it? Did you expect that? I did not, but I'm so happy that I'm doing Okay, all right. We will be back with more Grape Encounters right after this, and your Grape Encounter will continue. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. 
it's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts. Or you could visit their Honor Farm stand 4.5 miles west of Paso Robles on Adelaide Road. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there and bottles of Two Horse, of course. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's Grape Encounters, like CloseEncounters.com. Like certain wines, he's syrupy, sweet, and has long legs. Here's David Wilson. All right, we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and now I'm so glad to have in the studio somebody who I appreciate so much. He is not just the namesake for a wonderful, wonderful winery, but also a farmer in the greatest sense of the word. It's Brian Talley from Talley Vineyards. And Brian, welcome to the show. First time on Grape Encounters. That's right. Thank you for having me, David. I'm so glad to have you here because we're talking about wine clubs, and you have a pretty extensive wine club larger than most. And well, we've been at it for a while. Yeah, you've been at it for a long time. First of all, let's familiarize people with Tally Vineyards for a second, because you do ship all over the country, actually all over the world now, right? We do. We uh, export some wine. Uh, still, our single biggest market is California. Yeah. And uh, Tally Vineyards is actually uh, celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. We are based in the Arroyo Grande Valley, which is in coastal San Luis Obispo County. And we specialize in estate-grown Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Wherever there's Chardonnay, there's Pinot usually, right? Yeah, it's really the same climate that favors both varieties. And that's this very cool coastal climate that we have here in coastal San Luis Obispo County. What's really important about that is the cool climate really retaining a lot of natural acidity in the grapes. And that's a key component of world-class Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. I think that's an interesting point that maybe a lot of people don't necessarily put together is you may not notice it, but so often winemakers who make Pinot make Chardonnay. And if they make great Chardonnay, they probably make great Pinot and vice versa. 
So an interesting point. But anyway, you can find out more about the Tally Vineyards wines at, is it tallyvineyards.com? It's tallyvineyards.com. Yes, yeah, indeed. That's an EY on Tally, by the way. But let's talk wine clubs for a second, because you've got a big one. Wine clubs are something that I have very mixed emotions about, because you can make a big mistake joining a wine club, especially if you're making a long-term commitment to a wine club that you don't love. Maybe you like some of their wines, or maybe you went into a tasting room and you're going to get like a 30% discount on the two or three cases of wine that you're going to buy. And so you join the wine club, you make a year's commitment, and then all of a sudden you start seeing the same wines over and over again. And Brian, you have the same feeling, don't you, that I do about that? Oh, I, I agree. And one thing about our wine club is the members. These are our very best customers. And I want to treat our best customers as our best customers, which means that we sell our very best wines to folks in our wine club. And we like to offer a diverse array of different options for them. But so many times wineries that don't make a lot of wine will start repeating the wines pretty early on in the cycle. And if you've signed up for a monthly wine club, especially, you better make sure that they have enough diversification to be able to get you something different every single month. Otherwise, you're just going to get repeats and you're also going to get some of the wines that they're having a hard time selling. And that does happen, doesn't it, Brian? Well, I guess it does for for some (laughs) other wineries, but I view the folks that are in our wine clubs as our very best customers and we want to sell our our very best wines to them. You know, the other thing is our Tally family program, we have three shipments a year. And so it's not like there's a lot of pressure to, or there's really no pressure to repeat the wines. We're producing enough wines and they tend to sell out quickly enough so that we always have a new offering in each shipment. I think that's a very important point, by the way, is some wineries will have three shipments a year. Some will have four shipments. Some of them will be every other month and some of them will be monthly. So like I said before, you have to check and make sure that they have enough wine to support the program and you should try to get a good idea about what's going out in their shipments. In fact, you can ask them in the tasting room when you're there, what's going out in your next shipment or what went out in your last shipment and then check to see that those wines are wines that are really a good value and that they suit your taste. That's exactly right. And we typically have in the tasting room a tasting available of the wines that are in the current wine club shipment. So people can really check in with that and see if it's what they want. I don't want to forget to add one word of caution. In most of the places where they make wine, it's pretty hot in the summertime. And if your wine club sends you a note and says your shipment's going to be delayed by two weeks because of weather, they're not messing with you. They're telling you the truth. And it's respectful to you because they don't want to put that wine on a hot truck, have it sit on a UPS truck or something like that for a long period of time. So I think that's really important. Well, I I would agree. Just wait. Be patient. Well, and it's worth it. Wine is, especially fine wine, is very sensitive and subject to heat damage. So it's very important in a much like... Like the produce that we grow, you've got to keep it at exactly the right temperature. So what do you think are the most important things for people to look for in a wine club? I mean, what are some of the benefits that they should be getting when they sign up? Well, I think the most important thing is you should make sure that you like the wines that the winery is producing. If you don't love the wines when you're at the tasting room, then there's no reason to join the wine club. So I think that's important for folks that are, you know, very close to where the winery is located. If you want to buy things, in our case, 
are very rare, limited production, single vineyard wines. Joining a wine club is a guarantee that you can actually get those products. And then finally, when you're buying direct from the winery, you really can trust the integrity of exactly how those wines are treated before they get to you. Yeah, you know, the one caution that I really want to offer here is this. So many people go to wine country, you're having a great time, you're out, you know, you've stopped at winery after winery after winery, and you're starting to get a little fuzzy. Sure. And you get to that fourth or fifth winery, and now everything's just tasting good, you know, and it's a great atmosphere. You know, you're looking out over the vineyards, there's lots of nice people there, you're drinking wine, and you're not being as careful, you're not scrutinizing things as much as you would under normal circumstances. And so now there's a great opportunity to buy, you know, a case of wine, you can save 30%, that could be a hundred bucks, but you got to join the wine club. And, you know, you get the case of wine home and you go, wait a second, it doesn't taste as good as it did in the wine. That happens, right? you know, to a lot of people. And it's because you were tasting it under a very different set of circumstances. So you don't have to join right there in the winery. Well, you that's take true. The, I mean, you can take, take the form home. You yeah. can take the literature home. The other thing, you know, you asked me about things that I guess I would caution folks about. There's really no reason to enter into any long-term obligation in a, right. in a wine yeah. club. I mean, maybe it's going to be one shipment, but beyond that, you shouldn't commit to anything more than that. Well, I guess bottom line is you're marrying the winery. You know, it's kind of like a wedding between you and the winery. You need to really evaluate whether or not the benefits that you're going to get from joining the club are really worth it, plain and simple. You know, operating a wine tasting room... And I also have a wine club too, which I'm not pitching here, Sure, but we do have one. But I hear so many people tell horror stories. You know, they joined a wine club and now they're kind of stuck with all these shipments and they're getting wines that they really don't like. And that's why I actually asked you to talk about the subject because you're going to always get good wines from Tally Vineyards and you don't have to worry about that. And, you know, reasonable prices, great wines, a great winery, great ratings. That's the kind of winery you want to join, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, my advice would be join the Tally Vineyards Wine Club. All right, that's it. That's a good way to end. Okay, so if somebody wants to join? Go to tallyvineyards.com. Tallyvineyards.com. Check it out. And Brian, thanks for being on. I appreciate you coming in. David, thanks for having me. You did not, however, bring any wine. I did not. (laughs) Okay. But we'll rectify that. All right, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters this week. Next week, we will be in the home of the... Golden State Warriors and the Oakland Raiders. Oops, gave it away. We're going to be doing the Oakland Urban Wine Trail next week right here on Grape Encounters Radio. See you then.